Hi, this is Duncan. I'm just here to apologise for my audio this episode due to a new mic position. It turns out, people, you should do a test recording before moving your mic around. And with that out of the way, uh, listen to Ben and Jeff's sultry tones and my extremely crackly voice. Welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Duncan. Hey there. And Jeff. Yellow. It's the end of the spring season, which feels incredible to say because all of us are roasting alive uh, at the height of summer now. Uh, But we are going to be talking about the shows we watched, the ones that are either finished or in the process of finishing, uh, what we think they did well, did poorly, didn't do it all. Did the pandemic cause uh, production issues, scheduling oh, yeah. issues? We will cover it all. Um, Jeff, go ahead and start us off. What did you watch this uh, this past three months? So this was a pretty packed season uh, for myself. Unfortunately, towards the end, uh, just attrition affected my watch list. And so it's been whittled down a little bit now. Uh, I'm going to start off with Hika Hero, uh, the show that I think I let off saying that it's bad and you should feel bad for watching it. And I kept <laughs> watching it because I became invested in the idea of hating it. And I feel like I've been more or less vindicated. <laughs> um, so uh, just a, a quick recap. Uh, the show is about a guy in his mid-20s who uh, is had a crush on his boss for like you know, five years or something. He finally confesses to her, gets turned down. And then, you know, in a drunken stupor comes across a runaway high school kid, uh, who, you know, offers to exchange sex for, uh, lodging. Uh, he's like, I'm not going to do that. That's bad, but you can stay here anyways. And that's pretty much the whole premise of the show of him. Like, letting her stay at his house and everybody thinking it's weird and everybody watching it thinking it's weird. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's basically if Usagi drop, there was no familial contact and the surrogate daughter was in her late teens. Uh, and, and, you know, and presumably uh, we, there, there is still one more episode to come. So it's very, very possible that it's going to end where everybody thinks it's going to end. But where it's gone to now... So basically for the whole series, the the main tension of the show is that the the girl, Seiyu, thinks she's garbage and deserves everything she gets. And she thinks it's completely normal to be, you know, treated like crap. And, you know, it's, you know, the first time in her life you know, as is borne out by the rest of the show, it's, you know, seems to indicate this guy who like picks her up off the street says, Hey, you should like maybe expect slightly more out of life and let people help you and take care of you. And, you know, because like all anime is about how human bonds are good. Actually. Um, uh-huh. It's about her like learning to trust and, you know, building up her own personality and that towards the end of the series, like, you know, her brother finds her and drags her back home to Hokkaido and the guy follows her to, you know, help her and support her. 
this is also everybody makes a gigantic deal out of it because this is a show where friends just don't exist if between if you're a man and a woman <laughs> or if there's like an age gap it's like either he has to be her like creepy surrogate dad or he has to be her boyfriend there can't it can't just be like oh i'm gonna go with you and help you because i'm your friend and when they get there and their mom is like of course a complete basket case she hates her daughter mm. because you know she was going to have an abortion, but they she kept the daughter to try and force the you know the father to stay with her, and then he didn't, and so she blames her, and so you know her whole life yeah. she's just been the like you know the scapegoat for her mom's the bad pers- feelings, yeah. and and you know, and so like Yoshida, just before you go on too far, Jeff, just the portrayal of the mum was just like pretty terrible. Like yeah, they, there's nothing redeeming about her. They could have given her like a top hat and a black cape and like have her <laughs> tying the daughter to a railway track and it yeah. would still be more subtle. Well, yeah. I, think, I think there's oftentimes the, the belief that like, I think anime often has to argue extra hard why she's not with her parents or why someone's not with their parents. And so like either parents that just don't exist, like we never see the parents in Kaon, or they have to actively like make the real parents look terrible so that you can be like, okay, well now an adoptive daughter situation is a bit more appropriate or mm-hmm. adoptive child wife, apparently. Yeah. So. so, and yeah, like Yoshida like prostrates himself before her and says, you know, please try and be a better mom. And for some reason this works. And so the series <laughs> ends where it's like, I'm going to try living with my mom for a while and it's probably going to be rough. And, you know, we'll see each other again in the future, you know, to be continued, presumably all this works out fine and because like at the end of the day what this show is about is how you the viewer who is a good person and would never in a million years take advantage of somebody uh and how you would be a hero and how you would fix them and how they would you know they would recognize this in you and realize that you are uh, amazing and then you know when it isn't weird anymore they get back together with you like that that is the you know whether or not they ever come out and admit it that is the the fantasy that this show is servicing mm. and because of that foundation it's never not going to be weird the production like kind of started to fall apart halfway through the seasons you know talking about yeah. how maybe the pandemic affected things it was never a beautiful show to yeah. begin with but it kind of like got really clunky towards the end and it's 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 an it's an interesting show to watch just because of how committed it is to this like very sort of grimy premise. Uh, we you know we spoke off mic about like Ori Emo and how it seems to be a show from a like a parallel dimension where just like basic human decency works differently. And <laughs> the show is like not quite as bad as that one, but it is in that same sort of realm where like everybody involved making it, watching it is sort of presumed to be, exist just outside of the realm of normal human interaction. And it's like, yeah. it's, it's almost in outsider art in that way. I don't think it's, I think you're doing it a, a bit too much credit there, Jeff. I, like, I, I think like the two, I was, I was having a bit of a gripe about the, the, portrayal of the mum there but yoshida himself we know nothing about him like mm-hmm. well because I mean, like, he's because he's supposed to be you he's not supposed to be a character he's supposed yeah, to be the audience insert and how and you know he's exactly the guy that you think you would be in that situation you know yeah. you would you know you would have a firm hand and you would turn down the sexual advances of this like hot 17 year old 
you would also have every female character in the show who has any kind of contact with you whatsoever fall in love yeah. with you. And but you would also be completely cool with that. And, that you know, they would be you know, they would pine for you, but it would never become an actual problem. You would like, you know, you would have you would interact with like a guy who had like previously abused this girl that you're fixated on. And then that would just like, you know, make that guy's heart grow three times and then he would become one of her friends and they would work it out like it's just like it's it's completely like it's 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 serving a very very specific fantasy and that's yeah it's, it's like i can't express enough how like this is like <laughs> this has a very specific audience in mind and i'm guessing it's probably you know because it, it started out apparently as a self-published novel that got picked up by, you know, in one of those, you know, situations where, you know, it starts off kind of weird and then it has to kind of even out because, you know, they probably presumably got an editor mm -hmm. at some point and they were like, hey, you have to make this maybe a tiny bit less weird. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but yeah. It, it reminds me of um, just how vacant the, the characters are when I think back to the, the only other series I've enjoyed which has handled this, which is After the Rain, which which part of the reason that was so good is because both every single character in there had a, a very rich personal life and mm -hmm. their own mm -hmm. concerns and their own reasons why they might let this slip, even though they they know it's wrong. Whereas here, he's doing it because it's the right thing. Mm -hmm. when, we don't know why he would consider that the right thing. It's just taken as a given that it is. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean the first couple of episodes, I I had some hope that they might actually like have his the fact that he was interested interested in his his senior at the office work go to something, but no, that's that's just just like I guess the equivalent of him going no pedo. Like he's 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 interested in his older uh, older thing, so he's clearly not a. Uh, 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 chasing teen teenagers, you can see yeah. that now. Don't worry about this character. Yeah, You've like halfway there, halfway through the series, like they actually, she says, "Oh, I like you," and he says, "I like you too." And then it, I guess it's just kind of assumed that they're dating in the background or something. She also like the Goto, the the love interest, sort of becomes like a mother figure in the like two and a half scenes that they have together. Uh, similarly, the Kohai that also of course has the hots for yoshida becomes like a big sister kind of character and I, I guess there is like another teenaged girl who say you ends up working with who has no romantic interest whatsoever in the in yoshida because of course this is a show about how that guy aka you would never ever get into anything inappropriate and that nobody would ever hold it against you yeah because they can see how good you are yeah it's, it's just i, th I think i i we we have already given judgment. It's just exactly how bad it gets in the final episode is is the only question. It yeah, we have to wonder wonder how much the chasteness of anime by default is going to override trying to give us a satisfying. You waited, and now it's legal to have sex with this girl. Yeah, sort of thing. Is yeah, like I I would be deeply shocked if there was not either like you know, a happy reconciliation where they become friends or they just like get together. Like, because like in the first episode, they sort of like hint at like, you know, they, you know, he's like scrolling on his phone and sees a rep news report about somebody being arrested for, uh, 
kidnapping a 17 year old and and like i i in the beginning i thought like oh maybe this is like a single white female situation where she's like a secret serial killer or like he's gonna get caught up in trying to help her and end up in jail or something like that but no it was just like a very basic like you know this guy becomes her perfect father figure and fixes her whole life and everybody loves him the end yeah um, oh, I should also mention that like I checked in with how Koi Kimo was doing. I kind of dropped yeah, it off just ask. because, and, and like that show, it's like the dude sort of slowly realizes that he's being a creepo, and the girl slowly realizes that she loves him, and so she confesses to him, and he turns her down, and then she's like, "Wait for me," and then the series ends. So you know, no surprises there. Huh. Huh. <laughs> that was always how it was going to end. Yeah. Um, I guess they're both sort of genre pieces, right? So, like, as you yeah. say, they have a template of a to sort. fit. <laughs> yeah, not not a good genre necessarily, but a genre nonetheless. Yeah, like and like, yeah, like the two biggest differences between the sh- like the, big, the biggest difference between the show is that Higehiro is written for guys and Koikimo is written for women, and you know, in both those instances, like it was never going to end any differently, but like. Koi Kimo's treatment of it like I kind of wish I'd kept up with it and not Higehiro but you know turns and roundabouts like they're <laughs> like sort of like emotional like like her like falling in love with like you know a rich hot like super capable guy who dotes on her and helps her like of course she's gonna like you know and and you know and it, it is creepy and like you know that is just sort of there to like add spice to the you know you know for the you know presumably older 20s early 30s woman who's reading the comic is just like mm-hmm. you know that's that's sort of like forbidden stuff but like the you know but like you know it, it was it, it was never going to be like you know a bummer or a downer it was always going to like have a tragic ending with like a hopeful future like 99 percent of romance things end with when they don't end with a wedding yeah more more on that later uh, <laughs> so. Should we just go directly into that? Don't toy with me, Nagatoro-san. Yeah. <laughs> Another show that was never going to end in any other way. Um, so I think you and you and John had both like watched the first episode and was like, this is sick. This is insane. Like, there's no way that they can keep this up. And you were pretty much it's correct. Just, it's, <laughs> it's a really mean first episode. It really does like... There's there's the whole thing where uh, where Umberto Eco said that he put like as much like historical references and snippets of other languages, especially dead languages, in the beginning of his book to scare away anybody who wasn't ready to go for the full ride. Kind of like someone giving a really hard test on the <laughs> on the first week of class. Uh, and I think Nagatoro did that too because yeah, it's it's full of it's full of. The first episode is just full of just like incredibly cruel. Like he's struggling not to cry. She sees him crying and immediately like gets more excited. And then like the second episode uh, just immediately begins to dial that back. It takes only a few episodes for her to start like act like having that that very signature just like blank, simply drawn eyes uh, whenever whenever anyone else is teasing senpai who's not her or mm-hmm. ever senpai shows any interest in any other human being who's not her. And so it just kind of becomes just like they're dating but they're just not saying they're dating which yeah. is i guess the same thing as you said in in Hige hero we're just like it seems like they're dating and like her friends who gradually as you said jeff begin to start bullying her instead of instead yeah. of senpai because senpai won't let she won't let them bully senpai so they're like okay well we'll make fun of you for protecting him then 
Um, but by the end of the, the last episode, they're like, this all seems like something a boyfriend would do. And he's like, boyfriend. No, I'm not. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I don't know. So the whole idea is that eventually they get closer and closer. Um, she begins to see that he's that he's kind and patient, that he likes her for her. He likes her in spite of how she treats him. Um, also, he kind of likes how she treats him because that's yeah. an important part of the spice for that for that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and he gets challenged by his uh, the club president of the art club, who's not there anymore. Um, but she comes back and sees all these delinquents hanging around in in the art room so she's going to dissolve the club unless he can put on a better art show than her and she's known to quote unquote cheat by drawing near nudes of her incredibly impressive figure um but uh eventually senpai comes around to to drawing just pictures of nagatoro as she is and they win basically yep. there are there are there are upsets uh but yeah they're allowed to keep the comp the keep the club together and then after the credits uh, she gives him a peck on the cheek, which vindicates me. I don't care what anyone else says. I knew that they were going to kiss at the end. Yeah. This is not just, if there's a second season, it's just going to be a regular romance anime, which is yeah. fine because I like their dynamic. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like towards the end, like the, you know, while he's doing his art show, like the, the Nagatora Gumi is like going around in cat costumes, <laughs> like, you know, toying, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Toying with other guys. And that's of course driving him crazy because, you know, you know, she's like, you know, she's mad that he's getting attention for having, you know, doing good art. And he's mad that she's giving other guys this, the attention that he usually she usually reserves for her. And so it's like, you know, it's, you know, it isn't, it isn't so much will they, won't they as like, for the love of God, when will they? And yeah. but it yeah. also the show very savvily knows that the the moment that they do, it's the show is over and. Like you were saying, like, yeah, there's a peck on the cheek in the very, like, last instances of the series. And I don't know where the hell yeah. you're going to go with that otherwise. Post like, unless... credits as well. Yeah. Yeah, post credits. <laughs> so you could actually turn it off first and not see. Uh, but I don't know. It's I was surprised at how much I liked the final episodes, like, <laughs> C-plot of of all, like, Nagatoro's friends and their, like, stupid Toro Cat costumes. And when finally, like, the the one with the dreamy voice and she's like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And they're like, then who's in the second costume? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I, yo, I liked her, yeah, she, like, like her, lifts like, up her mask and she's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, like what, yeah, I have no idea what her name is. I don't think they, they might've like said her name like one time ever. I, I want to say like Maria or something, but Sakura. maybe that's just the personality. Yeah. yeah it's Sakura. Um, yeah, because like, yeah. like at one point, you know, she's introduced to the show, and there is like a like a gamer club that like is making too much <laughs> noise in the in the lunchroom. So her plan is to like insinuate herself into the club and then break it up. And then like a couple episodes later, it's revealed that she's just like hanging out with them now. And it, yeah, know, she like she made friends with all of them, and she likes them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now she's just like a gamer girl who hangs out with these guys and like has like kind of a creepy dynamic with one dude that they work out. But like, I, if there was more show, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it was like a Sakura like Gaiden of her just like being in a gamer club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the secondary for a show that depends so heavily on the like the axis of the of the two mains. Um, Pretty good, uh, pretty good side characters. I feel like, yeah, uh, all the all of her like all of Nagatoro's thuggish friends have like 
personalities that make sense. There's the slow one who mostly just repeats jokes that she recognizes that other people or words that she recognizes other people have said that are good. Um, and I thought it was really funny when they have to like protest the student council that the uh, the art club president's painting is not too risque. They like shove <laughs> they shove Yoshi ahead, and she's like the least articulate character. Mostly only ever repeats what other people say, and she's just like people enjoy it and then she like holds up the camera <laughs> that's where she's like films people like some people are being creepy but she's like look there's people in the back who are who are appreciated as art so it, it's got to be art i don't know i'm i think the best part of negatoro is just like it's surprisingly like emotionally genuine for mm-hmm. a show that is about a, a tan bully girl yeah bullying her her upperclassmen <laughs> Yeah, there's lots and lots and lots of, like, objectification and, like, fetishes getting ticked off. Like, no, like don't let us fool you into thinking that we think the show is wholesome or good, actually. Like, this is it's a trashy show. <laughs> this is a trashy show with a good heart. But fool yourself into thinking that this is, like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't even, you don't even notice it until, like, yeah, like, when Nagator is trying to get him to, like, be able to finish the 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 distance run that he's supposed to do for class and and she's just in like tight active wear and it's just like i'm getting serviced by this but the whole point is is that he's refusing to look at her sexy body but they have it for us just in case yeah um but at the same time that's a a sweet episode because like i don't know every time that they they hang out they like get closer it's not it's not as aggressively enforcing the status quo as some mm. actual romance anime, which mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it is like it's a peck on the cheek. They can roll it back next season if they get another season. Um, but as it stands, it just like they hung out and every time they they invite they uh, they interact with each other, they got closer and were seemed a bit more warm and friendly to each other. Um, unless you two have um, something you'd what particularly like to talk about i'd like to go to go from there to the the other romance anime i've been watching this season which is um the saint's power is omnipotent mm. um, i keep hearing that's the, a romance anime because it is the title <laughs> so I, I didn't even get its title entirely correct because it's the saint's magic power is on omnipotent mm. have no ambiguity incredibly, uh, incredibly uh specific here it's not hurt magic power um <laughs> so it has remained a extremely pretty show um probably like there's some shows which are very pretty in motion there's some which just make and make great gifts and there's others which are just great screenshots and uh the saint is op is definitely one of those shows where you can freeze frame it at any moment and it will look beautiful. And it's kind of just been a, a, a very welcome lunch time anime for me. You know, <laughs> just something just relaxing. Nothing's ever particularly high stakes. There's a quite a likable cast with a back and forth. And it's just been uh, taking the um, isekai formula and, and making it into a romance. It, um, it, I I think John it's is, isekai uh, overlays managed to trick uh, uh, dearly absent John into uh, uh, consuming it <laughs> like a, a particularly sh- sugared medicine pill, um, and I think it, it's definitely a very very um, in 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 its. Uh, 
in the way it builds her a harem, it's definitely definitely has some of those elements that you will see in in typical uh, shoujo romances where oh first she meets the handsome director of the uh, institute institute where she goes to work then it's a handsome knight then it's the handsome mage who teaches her magic then it's the handsome king then it's <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no one who ain't a looker here they're they're all all it's a, a complete gallery of um, hot hot fishy boys mm-hmm. from, uh, who would never interact with each other whatsoever. There's some, there's a little bit of tension between some of them, but mostly they they are they are mostly concerned with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, like they're all available to her, but none of them are like really seem to be in competition with one another. There's yeah. no like there's no rivalry aspect at all. Yeah, we. Is it interesting? He's the one she, um, the one, uh, uh, say who is the. Uh, let's say, and, um, she, 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 she gets summoned to this other world, and she, because she's her and the other girl Arya, uh, who are normally only one saint summoned, two are summoned this time. One is a pretty teenage girl. The others say who's like a, a an older woman, which in this case means about twenty two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Um, She's like a tired, um, I almost said working girl, which would be an entirely different thing. Um, Obviously, lady. Lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, she's a tired office lady, salary woman, and like she gets told, okay, you're obviously, you, you look too worn down, so off to the, uh, we're going to hide you awake and pretend you didn't happen. Um, so she goes and uh, works indulges one of her hobbies from the, the our world which she was interested in herbs so she becomes like this potion maker and her potions are, are better than anyone else's and heal x times better or whatever and slowly but surely she sort of makes her way into the graces of the the knights and the court by uh, bit by bit and it's it's interesting like it kind of breaks the first guy rule because she, she doesn't meet her her beloved um, Mr. Hawk until like a couple a couple of his episodes in, where admittedly she does save him, and that and that's kind of like the moment. Oh, I've I've saved this person, and that's the moment I I kind of have more self belief because obviously mm-hmm. with coming into this world and being told, okay, we don't really want you, and her. Her Sally woman just being worked to to the bone thing. It's it's mm. kind of the, the impression we're given is she doesn't really have much self esteem. She doesn't care about what she's been doing. She doesn't particularly think highly of herself. And yeah. this point, she, she save, saves Hawk, and he actually is in, it's thankful and treats her nicely. She's like completely flustered and and confused by this, like because what. <laughs> It's also like when she's sort of dismissed at the beginning, she's like, fine, that's great. I'm in this fantasy world. I Everybody's treating me nicely. I can just hang out and do my hobbies. Like she's very excited to like, you know, live a slow <laughs> life in this Isekai world. She, you know, she never has to go back to her job. You know, it's easier to, you know, to imagine the beginning of another world than the end of capitalism kind of situation. And she like sort of reluctantly because like you know she starts making potions because she's interested in it and then she's like crap i'm making these potions so good like everybody's gonna want my help and then she 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 eventually gets over herself and starts helping people because she you know she goes to an infirmary and there's all of these soldiers who have been wounded and you know 
healing magic is very rare, uh, but she's able to do it almost trivially. And so she like, you know, she, you know, she's healing like cuts and bruises. She regrows the guy's hand and she's like, you know, he's like, you gave me my whole life back. And she's like, yeah, I've kind of like gone beyond the point of no return with this now. And she starts taking a more active <laughs> role. But yeah, yeah it's it, sweet. Yeah, and yeah, and like, and it's it's kind of like a very sincere version of that killing slimes for three hundred years show, where like, you know, she just kind of like checks out, you know, on that show entirely. Whereas in this one, there's a bit more of a, a bit more of an arc there. I and, liked how they dealt uh, in the end how they dealt with the the rival saint um, Arya. Like, there's a point where basically the. The prince who had had them, had super had been in charge of the summoning ceremony, picked the, the younger woman because she looked more saintly to him, and had been like had been like promoting her as the true saint. And there's a point where he he realizes he's wrong, and that he's been like building up all this pressure on this this young woman, and she's she's just not this thing, and she can't be it because this other woman he's misjudged is. And in a worse show, that would be a rivalry between those two women, where uh, one the one who was falsely um, raised would sort of buy into her own hype and just uh, like resent the the other one, and there'd be a rivalry. In this case, she's just she's still good. She she's still a she learns magic well. She's adept at doing these things, but she's clearly not the saint and. We're shown that for her, the she wasn't given what to say was, which was this ability to um, be free of the expectations that she had on her in this in her other world, because her her family had very high expectations of her in in her previous life, like she was like a top student and stuff. And here, once again, people have high expectations of her, and what she really wants is just to have a group of friends and to be allowed to like build her own um, social circle. And eventually we get a, a mutual friend of uh, Say's um, coming and offering her help and allowing her to sort of become just another part of the course and, and be happy with that and and find her own own role within it. And it was it's kind of nice that this potential almost catfight in a worse show just becomes this um mutual old friend and it was it was it was it was, it was nice um <laughs> and uh uh it it's it finished off with a a very 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 contrived line um uh-huh. so it, it's um in the final episode um that they've throughout the the series they've been told okay there's these swamps in these forests which all these contaminated um beasts come from and that that's the, that's the 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 miasma the saint has to deal with and she's dealt with one already and she's when she did that it was it was a it was this instinctual reaction she just did it and she doesn't know how to repeat that and and having took on this, these responsibilities, that's something which has been bugging her. And so she's gone to this uh, other city to learn from someone who has had um, contact with a previous saint. And while she's there, they, they go out into this forest and they discover uh, even more deadly miasma. And 
obviously she's got her beloved knight with her along with the um the mage the the fighter the, the typical party um and they get attacked and uh they're back at at the castle and she's helping heal heal people and she sees Com- that commander hawk sort of crumpled against the wall eyes down um, and she sort of rush, rushes over to him and manages to cast this this saintly power she she hasn't been able to to do in, up until on command until that point and cast this amazing spell and he just looks up and goes, "I was just having a nap," and it was it was kind of, it was kind of a, a nice little 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 faint, but to to for her to go, "Oh, I, I'm in love with the." It's when I think of this person I love and doing things to protect them, I'm able to do this, and and they just run with that and like explicitly say, "Like it's okay." It's her love for him and through him this land he is part of and of that she's able to embrace her role and like literally the final line is is this like wise old old herbologist woman who's who's been in sort of tutoring her watching her and hawk drive away in a uh uh uh, in a carriage and uh this gruff mercenary goes to her so so what is the the secret of the saint's ma- magic power then and she goes ah the saint's magic power is love <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like you you do not mind that being fully on the nose do you it's like i, I would no, really no, no. i would really prefer to be like ah the saint's magic power is omnipotent to <laughs> coming coming next coming next year <laughs> but I kind of like admire it for being so so on the nose, just like going uh-huh. for that, because like that's that's that yeah. is really on the nose. <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> just putting it out there, and that, that I think that's that's the whole thing. It, it is in the end, that's what it's about. It's a it's a romance. It's about how the way you feel for a person will cause you to push yourself further than you would maybe believe, and how that sort of mutual support can bring out the best in people. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's sweet. And uh, it's uh, totally... But it's... You don't have to be a fan of shoujo to watch it. It's it's a it's well-paced, good characters, surprisingly solid action at times. Um, so it's... I, I'd say it's perfectly enjoyable for you and anyone, even if they're not a big fan of shoujo romances. Uh, that rolls nicely, actually, into another show that I've been watching. Uh, we're going to talk about Full Dive. Uh, this this ultimate next-gen Full Dive RPG is even shittier than real life. Um, John would have my head for calling it an isekai. But he's not here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it, it posits a future where uh, video games have become fully immersive uh, there was a slight detour into total immersion uh, with this game. Full, you know, it's like Kiwami Quest, where it it went for ultimate realism, and then people realized that oh, realism sucks. Actually, we would rather have <laughs> games that are easy and nice. Uh, and so uh, Hiroshi uh, Yuki, the main character, has like you know he's had a, a bad experience in high school. He's retreated into video games. He's trying to buy the next you know. Final Fantasy with the numbers scratched off. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, 
he you know he's he's getting bullied he gets like some of his money taken so he can't buy the new game he ends up at this like off the beaten path game store uh and the you know amply proportioned uh shop girl who works there convinces him instead to buy this other game kwami quest and she's like oh this is the best game ever you 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 should play this one instead and so he does you know he buys it you know he logs on he's like okay you know this is you know pretty impressive like you know I can feel my body I'm, you know, going around. And then he like, you know, he meets his like childhood friends, you know, in the game and he's like, all right, let's go on an adventure. And they're like, oh, you can't go on an adventure. Are you crazy? It's dangerous out there. We can't leave the city. And then like, you know, his childhood friends, you know, attack him to try and convince him to stay uh, in the town. And he end up, ends up accidentally murdering his best friend. And then his little sister transforms into like the fruit knife killer and starts trying to chase him down. And so he's at... <laughs> and like the whole show is basically like him, like thinking he's going to have a fun time in this game and it constantly just kicking him in the balls. Uh, you know, he tries to return the game. The shop girl won't let him. She convinces him to keep coming back. And as the series progresses, like, you know, he slowly sort of like unlocks the secrets of the game. He, you know, finds this like extremely abusive walkthrough online that uh, to like, you know, find the secrets of the game. The, you know, Riona, the shopkeeper girl sort of like becomes, you know, an aqua XB for him to sort of bounce off of in the show. Uh, you know, she, it, it's revealed that like, you know, the one person who ever beat this game, who's now like, you know, a higher up in the, you know, in the government, you know, he had like rebuked her when she was in high school. And now she wants revenge by like helping somebody else beat the game and then marrying him. And like, you know, that's her like that's her entire motivation. And it's mostly it's just like a, a dumb comedy where like, you know, he gets a, a harem, but the harem is like extremely abusive and crazy. Uh, mm -hmm. and the first, most of the first season, like, you know, in the game, he's trying to fight goblins, but of course goblins are like hyper powerful and like nearly destroying him at every turn. It turns out, you know, the great knight of the city is actually evil, you know, all the, the usual twists and turns that you would expect, but the show, like it, it, it surprisingly is able to weave it into an emotional core that is pretty satisfying because, you know, I, I had actually thought that this was going to be like, you know, revealed that, oh, this is actually like a magical thing that like, you know, it is actually reacting to his life and making him confront the things that he's had problems with. Because like he used to be a track star and he was humiliated on the track and he quit. Uh, he, you know, he's been bullied at school. He just like, kind of like lets it happen. And then these things are sort of mirrored in the game. And because it's a game that where only his like natural abilities are available to him he's you know it becomes a sort of like a safe place for him to work these things out and then bring that mm -hmm. back into his real life and like it it manages to pull that off pretty well and like i found it pretty enjoyable and and you know and talking about you know saint's magic power is on you know is omnipotent you know the very on the nose thing at the end mm -hmm. you know similarly hero discovers that the you know the secret trick to playing uh, Kwame quest is that you have to have guts and believe in yourself and work really hard and that you know it, you know, it's it, it's that that it pushes you forward so it's like you know it it treats the like the central premise of like 99 percent of shonen anime into this like you know lost 
knowledge that is like slowly brought back by this guy playing what is like effectively like the dark souls of you know vr games where like once you get it you understand why this game is so abusive and you know you start to love it and yeah it's like i i will say that the show is ugly as sin it is badly put together (laughs) uh the action kind of sucks but it, it it manages to like maintain its like sort of mean edge for a lot longer than Negatoro does. Um, and yeah, I I would say it's it's worth definitely worth checking out. I definitely enjoyed it. It pulled me along without any kind of problem. And yeah, I it, it looks like there's going to be more. I'll probably end up checking it out. So I would, <laughs> it, it's a sol- it's a solid three point five out of five kind of situation. I liked it. Seven out of ten. Yep. Rent rent don't buy. <laughs> Uh, well, I was also going to talk about when uh, Duncan mentioned like, like communities and support and pulling together when talking about uh, Saint. That like that's kind of what I got from Dinazenon, which is one of the better shows I think I've watched this season. Um, yeah, I was concerned when it first came out that it was going to be just like Grid Knight done all over again, and instead it's a much more I don't know. Um, much odder, more eccentric sort of show where it's got these five characters who are thrown together and forced to cooperate. And it's kind of about how people can kind of be subsumed in a common cause. But once that cause goes away, they kind of go back to their own lives. And it's like things never happened and about the anxiety of having a life changing experience with someone that like then is not going to matter because you're going to go back to your job and they're going to go back to school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, from the very beginning, I liked, uh, Minami's character, Yumi, Yume. Uh, I liked her trying to figure out what happened to her sister, uh, when we, near the end of the show, uh, when everyone gets trapped in, like, their memories of the past, and hers turns into a way to, like, have the conversation with her sister that she's been trying to have by talking to other people the entire show, and it becomes apparent that even if they didn't have a very supportive relationship as sisters like it wasn't anyone's fault and it was just like the weirdness of growing up and that they actually that you may can actually now feel really like encouraged by the example of her her late sister i don't know i i can understand people who wouldn't like dinazenon because it doesn't like have much of a plot besides whoa monsters are attacking it's so funny late (laughs) in the show when they're just like yeah we're out of kaiju so uh so I guess things are done, huh? <laughs> but but uh, but at the same time, like the character focus, I even liked the the potato coon. I thought that he had an interesting by him like allying himself so openly with uh, with Yume, and eventually by the end of the show they're dating. Um, but mm-hmm. just like yeah, like even him just like having stuff to do. I liked the the neat who who had the big shaggy hair and then he gets it cut at the end and you can't even recognize who he is at first. Um, yeah, no, I I thought it was a, a show full of great characters, and it's probably one of the most obvious examples of just like the robot stuff in the background doesn't doesn't mean anything at all. It's mm-hmm. just an excuse to get these characters together and have them like hang out with with budget Kamina and occasionally like beat up a giant monster while dealing with their own problems. Well, I mean, when we when the show had started, you had mentioned that Gauma reminded you of uh, is Haruko from FLCL, Fully Cooly. Uh, Duncan made the Haruko connection. I I called him Kamina from uh, from Gurren Lagann was was my was my comparison. But like, but like, that, but it, like shitty poor Kamina. 
the drama between him and the like the kaiju eugenicists has mm-hmm. a very similar sort of like background quality that you know haruko and like and like yeah like because like their battle is kind of going on in the background and like i you know i i knew right at the beginning that i was like okay i'm i'm gonna drive myself crazy if i watch the show week to week because i was like making all of this like it's like oh like you know know, this you know the kaiju are the spectacle and everybody's getting because like you know the city is being destroyed but nobody seems to care and like them getting involved is the thing that's like pulling them out of their like alienated lives and creating these human bonds and blah 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 and that's sort of there but it's it's a much simpler, you know, story of is just these kids sort of like fit, you know, being thrown together in this situation and sort of like figuring out what they want to do with their lives. Like the, it, it seemed like there was a couple of storylines that just kind of like disappeared. Like uh, Yomagi, like his his job that he keeps blowing off being a superhero for, and like you know hit like Koyomi's old girlfriend is his boss and like there but the, nothing really comes of that and he just kind of like stops yeah. going to the job or like he or like just that just stops mattering because you know he's going to the job all the time because he hates his mother's new boyfriend and doesn't want to be mm-hmm. around the home anymore and so everyone's like why are you working so much like you don't even need the money and he's like oh, i got reasons and it, and his like trapped in his own memories thing is him realizing that like my mom is a person she's allowed to <laughs> allowed to remarry basically the same yeah. arc as i from uh from a from wonder egg priority if just like you may think that your mother's new boyfriend is creepy but he's probably not creepy unless he has an art exhibit that is entirely a picture of of you uh yeah. but probably not but a few days we'll find out exactly how creepy yeah yep. that's true um, um, but no, I, I like that. I like that Kiyomi's thing is like that he meets with his ex and she's like kind of grown up and has like a real a real husband and a real job. And he's obviously stuck in like the same place he was when he knew her in junior high and high school. And but in the end, like he the her husband ends up getting saved by him. Like he finds him. He's like, oh, I could leave her, him there and then I'd be able to then like maybe something would be more possible for me, but he decides to save him. And then in the, in the dream, he realizes that like, he never had a chance with her basically. Like they were never going to work out. She wanted to run away with fake money just to see what he would do. And Mm -hmm. so I think that there is like acknowledging that the kind of the opposite of what, of what we were talking about last episode with Totemy galaxy, which I'm the only host in common between those two podcast episodes. Uh, But uh, about how like, Tatami Galaxy, I think one of the upshots is that like there are so many choices in life and we have so little power over them. That's really how we react to them. And this is more like you all these off ramps you thought to where you are today aren't 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 really there. Like you are who you are. You didn't like it's not a a, a happenstance, an accident that you became this way, which I guess is how it is with uh, Yume trying to reconnect with her sister. She's trying to try to have a reason why things happened. And when she mm-hmm. confronts the the ex boyfriend um, who was dating her when when she died, and he's like, "Why?" She's like, "Why didn't you do more to protect her?" And he's like, "I didn't." <laughs> he's like, "Really?" He's obviously made his own peace with that, and it's it kind of rings false because Yume is so hurt by everybody not being as heartbroken over the death of her sister as she is. But then again, that happened after the fact. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah. That's an interesting yeah. Kind of dynamic. Like how they does this typical set of tropes for the, the the book like which uh which obviously happens in we didn't talk about this but happens in Higahiro of the the bullied kid who commits suicide 
like who's who no one pays attention to her in 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 class even her real friends don't realize what's going on with her and like a lot of what was going on with um uh Yume early on was her sort of like going through each of these tropes with her sister like okay we'll investigate this club she was part of and did she really was she bullied into it or did she actually enjoy it and this boyfriend did this boyfriend really care for her or was he pulling her along for a joke or something and what is that was one of them responsible for her death directly or indirectly mm-hmm. does that know it's just cruel all happenstance which takes her from all of them and yeah because they the so because she has her sort of like vision quest and she meets her sister and the sister says like oh it, i wasn't being bullied i wasn't suicidal i really did just accidentally fall off this like floodgate it was yeah. a complete accident there was no greater meaning to it like are we supposed to believe that that was what really happened or is that just the answer that no comes to i mean i mean you could overthink it that way but i do think like because when Yume's talking to people, she's always like, why didn't you, like, why? Like, when she finds out that she was getting bullied, she's like, did you do anything about that? And they're like, oh, she she seemed to be dealing with it okay. And she asked the boyfriend, like, why? I think she she's trying to figure out who fucked up, and that's why her sister's dead. And I think the revelation, and this, I think, feeds in with how the rest of the show, the, she, the show thinks about the rest of its characters, is like, no, it was just an accident. The person who fucked up was the person who died, and there wasn't, it wasn't the failure of a community. Um, and Yume is projecting her own regrets about not being closer to her sister. And they had the whole conversation where her sister's like, I, I couldn't be as popular as you. So I, I, I pushed you away because I couldn't, I couldn't be this outgoing person who instantly knows what people want to hear. And Yume's like, well, I'm, I'm not wild about that part of myself. And, but her sister's like, no, it's, it's great. And you'll, you'll, you'll do fine. Um, but yeah, I think it is, it is, I think we are supposed to take it. I think that we're supposed to realize along with Yume that like her anxiety about something having happened to her sister is, is her dealing with the idea that she only had a limited amount of time with her and she didn't spend it well. Mm. Um, and so obviously it has to be someone took her from her and not just like that was, Mm -hmm. that was the time she had and she, she used it poorly, but we see that in the finale when she's like spacing out on her phone and like Yomi comes and gets her and they like hold hands and go inside. Like she's learned to seize the moment more. Mm-hmm. She's not the spaced out person who's like, we see her pic- shots of her uh, with her one friend, her one cool photographer friend, just like sleeping in a karaoke room yeah. or just like laying on the bank of it. Like she's such a passive character at the beginning of the show. I also liked it mm-hmm. as kind of a explicit um, repudiation of the sort mm-hmm. of hidden plot lines which converge into some meaning at the end, which obviously was Gridman's selling point, like this this big reveal yeah. at the end of how everything fits together and and her her plot line being essentially sometimes things don't all fit together. Sometimes there isn't any rhyme nor reason. And I think like that's kind of an important thing to say in, in this year in particular, where so many people yes. are looking for patterns to explain horrible things and asking to find someone to blame. And sometimes something horrible happens and there will be maybe moments where 
something could have been done, but it won't be due to any malice or any um, deliberate um, attempt. It would just be a normal reaction to a person and not even realizing they were in any danger. In in this case, because a girl is self-conscious about her singing and goes to sing on top of this old old water pump because she knows it's deserted and no one no one will come find her mm. there like just her self-consciousness is what leads to her death and yet and yet not the fault of her death it's just it's a series of circumstances that just attend mm-hmm. these actions yeah i will i yeah. will say that i i think i was slightly vindicated in that there was like you know if you were inclined to think too much about the show like how the the kaiju eugenicists all sort of represent aspects of like extreme like individualism and misanthropy and passivity and how you know their be you know you know Gauma's original sin against them and betrayal was like not rejecting the world along with them and destroying everybody because he had fallen in love with a princess. Uh, and who, how who has a very who has a very tragic story with at the end of like mm-hmm. I thought we were both going to get reborn and it's just me. Yeah. So you so so you sort of have you know a. a, a, a like a, like Sorry, you know a, a sort of like a big sort of like metaphysical conflict between you know these bad guys and the you know and that being a parallel to what these kids are going through and how like you were saying like the you know the robot battles are you know they're they're real like it's not like in the last gridman show where like it's a, a virtual world and you know everything is completely metaphorical like these battles do seem to actually be happening and there is every now and then they mention this like wow that part of town really got messed up that's yeah. that's that sucks like you know the uh the husband of uh kiyomi's uh yeah, nearly yeah. nearly getting killed and being rescued like you know there seems to be a real world uh consequences for you know what these people are doing it's not purely metaphorical um so uh, it's uh, it's interesting and also something i did not realize until i just read about it on wikipedia the grid knight that appears from some parallel universe to help them is anti mm-hmm. from Gridman? I thought that was kind of yeah, obvious. I mean, maybe yeah, it would have been was... if I had remembered the show better. <laughs> but like, I just I completely forgot that that character existed, and I was like, and oh, the, okay, and the so girls with is. the girls with him is is Anacilius, which is the other attempt to make a which is the attempt to make a girl humanoid kaiju. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the little yeah, tan I... one with the wearing the hood, and now she's like. She grew up to be Hanakawa, I guess. So. <laughs> Good for her. I mean, yep. hopefully not all the way Hanakawa, because <laughs> speak, speaking of tragedy. But um, yeah. yeah, I was I having gone into it thinking I'm like, OK, it's more Gridman. I guess I can handle that. And instead, it's like a it's a lot more of an alienating show. Like there is like the idea, I think, with with in these patterns, there's not meaning the fact that they all got together and had to fight. Um that there's five and five. I think that there's like the show is almost about the treachery of patterns and the treachery of believing in these narratives. Um, and that it ultimately what you take away from something is what you choose to take away from it. Uh, Yomagi and you may take away like a closer, more intimate, more emotionally honest relationship. Koyomi takes away to stop being a neat. Um, Galma dies. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, Chisei, 
like is kind of well she's the youngest character because she's uh she's a grade schooler still right um mm-hmm. or at least a early junior high and like she she's still deciding like she hasn't gone back to school at the end of the show people people are kind of like this thing happened and where to go from there as opposed to ascribing this great meaning to them being the five chosen to battle these kaiju that the world is now just rid of like they did it there's no more kaiju they the uh, knight and uh what's her face second like literally just take dinazine on to a to a new reality because they're done with it so can they mm-hmm. borrow it for the foreseeable future <laughs> i liked it i don't know how i feel about the uh the the one that was announced at the end where it's like both dinazine and grid knight right yeah you don't need more i, I don't know like as you can have things where trigger's, trigger's going to keep making them. I, I know, guess, but so it's like that. you can have you can have things where this is something you're using as a context to keep telling different kinds of stories, and maybe there's enough latitude in this for them to do it with that. But part of me thinks there's just enough toys to sell and uh, DVDs to sell, and so they're just going to keep doing. I mean, there's it. a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of old ultra franchise mm-hmm. stuff to get to get rehabbed here, yeah. so. I mean, you and yeah, you could if you're just gonna make shows kind of like this, then you, there are definitely worse things that you could do trying to sell toys to people in their thirties. Make make a show about how it's not your fault that your sister died suddenly and tragically. <laughs> um, important message for kids. Uh, well, speaking of just making shows, well, I don't know. I, I have two different ways I could go take this. Uh, let's go ahead and do. Uh, uh, shows as advertisements. Um, I finished Super Cub. Did everyone else finish Super? <laughs> I nearly finished Super Cub. I'm very uh, close to the very end. I had to watch the so, entirety of Dinosaur in three days to, <laughs> instead. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how that was because watching it week to week, I kept thinking to myself like, maybe I'd like this. Sh- I'd like because I couldn't. I kept feeling that there was there were stronger through lines in Dinosaur that I was missing because I was watching one episode a week and then forgetting half of what happened in between episodes because streaming has rotted my brain. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, no, I I wonder if it would have been better to watch all at once, but we'll never know. It's impossible to watch the same show twice. So, well, I mean, we both came out (sighs) liking it. So either way seems good. Fair. That is true. (laughs) Uh, I came out liking super cub. It, it went from the one of the first shows I'd watch every week to one of the last, just because like it's so slow and low energy, um, and I really enjoyed it. But it really is just like observing the change of the seasons, observing like slow micro changes in your emotions as you do different things. The like kit out her super cub to become like the best super cub ever arc ends about halfway through the show, and then it becomes more about the social relationships. They meet this third girl who rides a bike but clearly looks up to them and wants to imitate them there's some drama they take a road trip she buys a super cup at the end uh, and they're like man super cups are great yep. uh, and that's and that's the show but even though it was a kind of a long advertisement in that sense i did really enjoy the the in- introspectiveness especially when she realizes like oh i bought this motorcycle because because this girl who I'm now friends with passed me on her bike. And I was like, fuck this. I want us, I want a motorcycle. And the idea that there's all these different decisions that lead you to find something you really love. Uh, and in this case being a motorcycle owner. So, yeah. yeah. And it got pretty, it got prettier. The, the incredibly bad ride CG um, got hidden more and was 
was like less jarring and not blending in with the with the hand animation, which the backgrounds of the show were beautiful. And even the character designs, even though they looked like they were they always had lines on their cheeks, like they were permanently blushing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd recommend it to anybody except <laughs> motorcycle enthusiasts, but uh, it was very peaceful and healing, which we deserve after after this past year. Yeah. And I, I like the way that it was a sort of low energy year camp. Like it, it wasn't quite as like ganky and manic, but like the because Koguma, the main character, is she just kind of like gets a personality by accident by buying this motorcycle and making yes. one friend. <laughs> and I like the fact that she never really like blossoms and becomes the most popular girl, like because like even as a motorcycle enthusiast, like she, you know, we sort of like laughed about it earlier, but I think it kind of like is part of her personality where she's like, you know, owning motorcycles is a closer bond than friendship. And I think she sort of lives <laughs> that way. Like yeah. she, and she, ha- she becomes like a weird, like motorcycle chauvinist where like, she will specifically go out of her way to like prove that she could do things with the motorcycle when somebody else says she can't. Uh, she makes a joke about which, which got kind of fucked up at one point when she needs to go rescue somebody and they ask, Hey, did you call the cops? And she's like, Nope, just me and my super cub. Yeah. I'm like, maybe yeah. we should have called the cops a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like she's like, like she, yeah. Like she still is kind of a weirdo and it, like, and awkward. And like that, that never just goes away because she like happens to find enjoyment in riding a motorcycle mm-hmm. because like there's, there's cause like, in the beginning of the series, like she's alone, she's isolated, but it's not because she's being bullied. There's no external force there. It's just that, you know, she got dealt a bad hand. She's living off the government dole because she, her parents are gone and she just has nothing in her life. And she just kind of like, like I was saying, like, you know, she buys a motorcycle on a whim, you know, there happens to be one that's cheap. And that sort of like opens the world up for her. And like, as like, maybe as the series progresses, like they'll very gradually like integrate her into polite society. But I like that, you know, <laughs> it, it, while it continuously is very much a, like an info, info to it, like advertorial, like show about like, this is a super right. cub. These are how you can like upgrade it for the winter. This is, you know, what it's like to try and drive up a mountain. But like, they, they still have like a very grounded, like believable like progression of this person because it's only it only takes place over a period of a few months so it's again it's believable that she hasn't yeah. like completely rehabilitated herself just by and she's, and she's still a motorcycle and she's still yeah and she's still a cold person like when mm-hmm. when they ask her stuff she like t- has a really flat affect and doesn't seem to be gets, like the, she doesn't ever get excited the most she gets is just kind of like the yosh just sort of like calm determined yeah but still it is it is nice to watch her do this and to like realize the value of other people, even though she like insists that she has no hobbies or friends or anything, but she, she does have a super cub and mm-hmm. the rest of her life comes from that. And maybe that's like not a healthy attachment long-term, but for the <laughs> sake of an anime, it's kind of nice to watch just any sort of like extremely damaged character coming out of her shell. We never find why her parents died. We never, mm-hmm. never found out any of the details about her life. We just learned that, you know, Get a hobby. You'll yeah. <laughs> then you don't have to sit at home in your depressing, always dark apartment. Um, yeah, make one friend. Talk to them about the thing you like. 
try and have a life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like a lot of these shows seem to be like, please, for the love of God, re-enter society perspective viewer of this tv show (laughs) (laughs) i mean i feel bad for the person who who is moved to like become a social person by watching super cub but on the other hand super cub makes like running small errands on a motorcycle look really gratifying and fun so who knows maybe it'll tickle someone's like oh i can drive my motorcycle to the convenience store instead of just walking there by the side of the road Mm -hmm. look how happy it made this super sad girl so And I I do wonder if it created a run on Super Cubs in the same way that Eurocamp Camp filled up all the campsites with Otaku when it when it aired. <laughs> what I'm aware that they're still a pretty well selling thing. I, I... They're the best, one of the best selling. I mean, they are the best selling motor vehicle mm-hmm. of all time. So yeah, mm-hmm. and they've been more or less mechanically unchanged in like sixty years. Well, they did make sure to show all the different models. Like, there's the Hunter Cub that Reiko gets after she breaks her old Cub, just driving up a mountain repeatedly and falling and off badly. the bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is one point where they didn't properly communicate. Like, it's very hard to go up that kind of a hill with that light of a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. It just looks like she's bad at motorcycling, just keeps falling over for no yeah. reason until she cracks her mm-hmm. frame. So, but, uh... what's, what, what CCs are the are Cubs? Are they 50s or... Yeah. They, they go up beyond 50, but they but usually the consumer models are 50cc or 49cc. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because I... Just not a lot of weight. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I did my um, like bike, bike test many years ago, I was on the, just a, a mere just 100cc, which isn't particularly thin, but it's still like double what a, a cub is. Yeah. <laughs> and like they, they, they're, they're just these incredibly... I, th- I guess that's part of the, the, the thing about them is that they just take so little fuel. They are just about yeah. town things. They're just designed to go... Ne- you never mm-hmm. want to be going above 30 miles per hour because it's just because you're just puttering about town, going, going, to, going to the second supermarket along instead of the first yes yeah <laughs> and the wonders that brings um like i i kind of I, I found like the it just a bit too ad- advertising for me and i wasn't able to stay with it which, which i i think it's maybe just a sensitivity thing for me i'm, I'm I, I like just tend to recoil from adverts in most of their forms yeah, what it reminded me of a little bit is in Girls in Panzer how they like go through all the Panzer the Panzer four different models like they have the the side flashing they have the the chain like the the longer gun like all of these upgrades except you can't go out and buy a pan a Panzer four so well, it, 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 it I mean you yeah can in but it feels a bit different and that's why they did a cross pollination. Cross pollination. I know, but like, I, so that's just kind of how I I was set up. We're just like, uh, oh, I'm just seeing an otaku like excitedly list all the different ways that you can customize your super cub, and there are a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think their motorcycles get kind of ugly. <laughs> <laughs> when Reiko has these like weird like rainbow rainbow finished um, exhaust pipes, and they have the the big ugly windscreens that Reiko spends an entire episode oh, being God. like, no, these look stupid. I'm never putting this on my on my motorcycle. And she's like, well, your hands are cold. And no, it's dumb. I'm not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> friends who bike and put in different exhausts on those things. Like, oh, uh, this this produces a nicer sound. This this makes it go faster. This is uh, just no people. I know this is your hobby, but it's, it's just, you can't interest me. I thought me. it was cool when they... 
when they instead of they, they so that they could increase the engine power without increasing the CCs, they would replace the cast the cast engine block with a with a hand machined engine block, and that's like a cheap way to get like four or five more CCs out of your engine. Like it's pretty it's pretty like dense like otaku shit there that I I don't know I liked it it was cool I don't know if it's that feasible I should Google it before I say so on a I, podcast. I think they wouldn't but... have <laughs> the kind of show it is. I don't think it, that's true. It would have made it on if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I just think it'd be. It, it, it seems like a pretty flagrant breaking of the rules that you can have like a technically forty nine cc thing, but like you've handmade the hand handmade the the engine block to like save a few no, ounces that, that, of that, that sounds to me like the exact kind of, of <laughs> edge case that 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 sort of car and bike nerds live by. It's like well, it's That's technically true, legal. It's it's yeah, it's roadworthy. I, I'm honest, governor. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, um, let's go ahead and go with my other transition to uh, talking about franchises that just sprawl everywhere and can go on forever. Slime Diaries, uh, the gag spinoff of that time I got reincarnated as a slime. I have very little to say about this. I like it better than I like it better than the main show. It takes place again only in like a year, the year between uh, Rimuru like founding his kingdom and then finding out that like the demon lords and the human kingdoms are coming to get him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the main reason I like it better is because Shion's boobs are drawn to normal human size. Well, closer to normal human size. There is, there is minimal like weird porny shit. I think Milam is a lot funnier in the slime diaries because she's just like a super powered, uh, uh, like junior high kid. The running joke that she like can't open a door without blowing it off its hinges and like he starts putting a sign on the door that's like please open quietly and Milam just comes in and it's like and the doors just rocket across the room. That shit's funny. I I have a weird relationship with slime at this point because it's just such a weird blend of parts of it I like and parts of it I don't like. Um but this I think was a much more I think the the silliness made it be a lot more affectionate and without having the stupid world clock that is all the other demon lords who just want to fuck up Rimuru for existing. Um, without having that, it just, I think the show is able to lean into the niceness that it, that the franchise generally wants to be its defining characteristic, wants to be Overlord, but, but Ainz is really, really nice and chill. Until he, so. until he massacres uh, 20,000 people, or was it 10,000? Who They're knows? still pretending. I mean, they made this after that scene, and they still want you to think that 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 Rimuru is like nice and chill and not someone who genocided ten thousand people yeah. by hand all on his own, which is a pretty. <laughs> it's kind of wild that they think that that is not like a character event horizon. <laughs> We're like, yeah, he's the bad guy now. Are we the baddies? No, they were all bad people. All ten thousand of them, all bad people. We we did we did a we did a survey. Yeah, we cast detect evil, and it, it was all over that camp. So don't worry. <laughs> Uh, uh so yeah um it, it does want to go like i can it, keep going through my stuff but I was gonna say, like, go it, ahead, it does sound like slime's nat. this is like its natural niche really i think all of us are quite fond of uh isekai quartet as well and it's interesting like maybe the the spin-offs of it that we've become so genre aware with isekai that Actually, the comedy spin-offs are, are perhaps more more palatable to us because 
get further into their plot lines, they tend to get more and more ridiculous. Whereas and serious too. Yeah, often. and, and mm-hmm. as you say, serious business. Uh, whereas things like Isekai Quartet and Slime Diaries, it's just frozen in time. There's no consequences. They can just goof around for. 12, 13 episodes and a good time was had by all. I think that's kind of what people kind of like in these guys. The escapism, as, as Jeff was talking about how Full Dive kind of subverts that by doing a semi-Sky thing and having someone have a, just as hard life in their escape as they do in their actual life. Part of the appeal of these guys is like, oh, in this new life, they're, they're stronger or they're, they have an easier life in some way, shape or form. And mm-hmm. once that starts throwing big decisions their way, for instance, should I or should I not slaughter thousands of people? That pushes the chops of the writer perhaps past what they can handle. They, they perhaps build their their brand on these good interactions and subversions of tropes. And when they have to get down to dramatic developments, they kind of just revert to type and don't really have anything strong or original to say. Yeah, it's... it it. <sighs> Like, it's an unforced error on the the author's part to make it that someone died and the only way to bring them back is to murder 10,000 people. Like, I feel like that that is what Slime specifically is going through and how the second season of Slime lands so much differently um, from Slime Diaries is just because, like, he didn't need to do that. Like, Rimuru's character is not defined by by this stubborn... Like, it's, it's it's... the isekai genre taking over rather than the natural character developments. Mm. I think as is often the case, we want Rimuru to be really powerful, but if he's too powerful, then he doesn't have any plausible adversaries. So we have to make these adversaries really powerful, which ultimately pushes Rimuru towards more and more morally unambiguous uh, violence. And just having a show that's like, okay, enough of that. Here's the world where we don't have the power curve, where Rimuru just gets to be literally a god. I mean, that's a running joke in the Slime Dyers. He's like, I'm not really comfortable with how much the people of this nation worship me. Which makes me wonder when I was watching, I'm like, do these people have any do these people have any traditions or culture or religion before Rimuru came? Or do you just come? He's like, hey, Japanese stuff. And they're like, oh hey, it's pretty I mean, good. he has in fairness of it evolved them all to a higher state of being, yes. literally. <laughs> but some of them presumably had like a religion. <laughs> Yeah, he but he is a slimy messiah, so yes. I, I think he's allowed that. But yeah. I think, well, I think, I think like, like how they play on that, like the things like that uh, you were talking about previously about how uh, they have in one of the beach beach episodes they like make him different swimsuits and, and yeah. like all these these little bits of irreverence and reverence, which is it's a strange comp a strangely appealing uh, combination, like of ha- having their worship for him goes so far it sort of comes back around to irreverence um <laughs> and i i i've been watching the uh the other slime series this season i've been killing slimes for 300 years and i've now maxed out my levels which does kind of try and do what you were talking about which is kind of just okay uh mc's just gonna chill and mm-hmm. uh, that that's what she does for the, the whole series and in the end despite a couple of good episodes that lack of any forward me- momentum does kind of of lead to it not really having anything compelling it from joke to joke like something mm-hmm. 
something even like something like uh, Sleepy, Sleepy Princess in Demon Castle. She just has the same quest every episode where she she wants a more comfy bed, so she tries mm. to escape the castle. And so that's there's always that forward momentum to the jokes. There's always something in there in the background pushing it forward. But because slime leveling doesn't have anything at all to push push it forward, there's nothing to take it from joke to joke. So it just has to sort of sort of grind its momentum out bit by bit and it, it it doesn't quite have the everyday quality of a lot of slice of life shows either because mm-hmm. it its plots are too contrived for that and even something like Nichijou which has these very uh slapstick things they still happen in a very recognizable environment and they're like subversions of normal things and it I don't know it, this kind of chill kind thing is obviously something which people want to make work and which sometimes does but th- there still has to be something there to to take the plot forward otherwise it does just in in slime diaries at least you still have the idea i would assume of the construction of um tempest like they're, st- mm-hmm. they're plant the few episodes i watched um one of the things they played up a lot was the planting of the crops for future seasons and stuff and uh, do they they still keep with like the building of the city as something happening in the background taking yeah, it forward yeah. yeah it's 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 something that i think is is important to the appeal of of slime diaries is that i think that the the other parts of the 4x game the mm-hmm. other parts of civilization that Rimuru is playing are part of the fun like one of the one of the breakout characters for slime diaries is like the big orc who just doesn't talk and he has this one little goblin girl who's like follows him around and stuff mm-hmm. but yeah he just like Everyone's writing their slogans for the new year, and his was like "build a road." It was just was like <laughs> not like you know like no no like philosophical like Ichigo Ichie. Just just like the characters for build build a road, and Rimuru's like oh it's a bit literal, but I mean fair. That's what you, that's what you want to accomplish this year. So I don't know if uh, the other thing which I've finished of the shows which have finished so far this season for me is Vivi Floretai's song, which I think Jeff watched some of but didn't stay with uh yeah i got through the first i think three-fourths of it they're in the middle of the uh the singing tournament in the yeah, like the... i think the third arc <laughs> <laughs> of course there's a it's a... singing tournament yeah yeah there's like there how, and they're how all foolish of me <laughs> how foolish of me think there wouldn't be a tournament yeah and this thing that guys are talking about is ghost in the shell like yeah. ghost in the shell but better but there's a singing tournament how dare you <laughs> Go ahead, I mean, Jeff. Go the, ahead, the, Duncan. The thing talk. about Vivi is that, as as has been said before, is it it, it ha- it's about a essentially an idol, about a, a a AI whose job is to basically be an idol to sing. That's and make people happy with her singing, which is like the most typical idol plot ever. Uh, I want to sing and make people happy. Okay, go on, Love Life season twenty seven. Uh, that's <laughs> that's fine. Um, but what it actually is is a. T- uh, uh, a cyberpunk tech thriller um, with some of the best um, fights I've seen for a long time. Like in there's, I think it's either second or third episode. We have her like basically running along the side of a building as it collapses around Mm -hmm. around her. And that's just an astonishingly well animated thing with like, they've, they made this decision to um, treat her sometimes like an object. Like most of the time she's traditionally animated. But there's moments where they want to emphasize her otherness and they treat her like you were the background object in uh, an anime and, and it'll be like a, a, a painting almost. You'll see these 
these close-ups of her eye in particular and you'll see the sort of mechanical workings of it and it'll all be incredibly detailed and um, doll-like and I had like kind of high hopes for it because its big thing is okay you're going to follow this character over a hundred years and to me that was very interesting because you can a hundred years in a cyberpunk society well you'd expect to see a lot change in that time and what seems to change is that people are wearing coats with neon stripes at the end i was kind of distinctly disappointed in how little the society changed with a hundred years after mm. the first like when you, you when your starting point is there are ais and this is the first human-like one a hundred years after that assuming like this exponential growth in um ai capability you'd expect the it to be completely different whereas th it does have this idea to it that something which has been going on is they've been trying to st stop the AIs, ais evolving too quickly but i still don't think that explains for how similar the world they start and the world they end in is and, and that was quite disappointing for me that didn't really use this amazing device it had given itself this this hundred year span which so few shows can allow themselves they essentially had her learn about what it means to be be human through other ais and mm -hmm. in different points in that uh 100 years but there's nothing to say those she couldn't have met those four or five ais within the space of the year nothing changed about their relationship to society really apart from one semi one where it's a human loves an ai and they really didn't like play on that there was no oh that becomes commonplace afterwards like it got people birth rates dropping because too many people are marrying their eyes or, or anything daft like that um well they, they sort of imply that you know that character in you know sort of ushers in an era where people start to accept ais as being people and then that accelerates their development which ends in because like the, the premise of the show is that you know if hum if ais are allowed to uh you know become too independent that they will rise up and destroy all humans and the whole show is just, you know, this AI trying to stop the AI rebellion. And so them, you know, going to like, you know, important points in history and sort of like undermining them, you know, being the sort of basic premise of the show. Like it's it's not super surprising that because like even in the, the distant future where the, the robot uprising is happening, you don't get the sense that the the world is very much different until all the drone, all the like delivery drones start bashing people in the head and, you know, killing everyone. And it's just, you know, it just seems like, you know, it was just, you know, tension rose and then, you know, there was a crisis. And so we're going to try and stop that. Uh, so like, I, I, I don't think the show was ever as interested in showing a like fully trans, uh, uh, transhuman future where like people and AI Post singularity. Yeah, like that. That I don't think that was ever really on the table, unfortunately. Yeah, I, 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 I as you say, I probably did set my my hopes a bit high there, uh, Jeff. But I, uh, what what is is man to do but to 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 have high hopes for AI for it only to to be dashed by it, uh, falling over clumsily. Mm -hmm. um, like if they didn't mean us to look up into the sky. They wouldn't have put stars up there that look so nice. So. <laughs> um, 
It's it's it's, it's weird. Like the uh, like still the one show I can think which handled that well is the otherwise very strange uh, Rin Daughters of Men of Seen, which is otherwise just a show which is mostly known for being uh, uh, having highly S and M uh, facets, but also spans over like a two generations and has huge amounts of societal change in it, which is just really strange and unique. And I still haven't seen, been shown many things. And I, I would like to see more speculation about humanity in, in that vein, which actually thinks about what kind of futures, what, what future societies can we live in? What, what, as like Jeff said, is, start imagining a world without capitalism instead of just imagining a, uh, an end of the world like it, it would be interesting for more takes on future societies than post-apocalyptic ones um i think wanting that from the anime industry is... <laughs> <laughs> they might do it by accident but i don't know if that will ever be <laughs> i don't know um, if, if revolution is really on the on the on the menu Unless Speaking the revolutionary which, idea is believe in yourself in Gambare. How, how about if the revolution is to revitalize a province of Japan that's currently uh, in economic and cultural decline by recruiting a bunch of dead pop stars to be an idol group? Uh, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> watching everyone's, watching everyone's, fa- <laughs> watching everyone's faces as they try to figure out what show I'm talking about. Yeah, they're meant to save Saga. Uh, I don't have that much to say about Zombieland Saga. It started to become a good anime with the finale once they started just faffing about and they actually had a crisis that the girls had to step up with. And it's it indicates my issues with Zombieland Saga Revenge um, that all the interesting stuff either happens immediately because it has to happen right now because they have no time. They have to keep moving the episode forward or it happens off screen and we don't get to see it like they're disastrous concert that forced them to start over from square one happens between seasons one and two and then they just like have a lot of episodes where they like they talk to a radio host and they get a radio show and lily goes on a talent show and loses and this and that and then there is a cataclysmic flood and the girls lose their home and they are basically slowly like losing the makeup that hides the fact that they're zombies from people but they decide to step up and like and like organize relief efforts and put on little miniature concerts to make people happy and eventually they decide to go back to the side of their original failure and um, perform a big concert there to like earn money for saga and make people happy to be living in saga even though it's half flooded still um and even with that like we don't get to see them putting together the concert instead we just have scenes of them worrying about the concert not getting pulled off right. And then we have the classic fake out where no one's came. But then what's that on the horizon? No, everybody came. Um, I want to see an episode where they put together a concert. I don't care about watching a scene of them worrying about whether the concert's going to work out. Why didn't we get to why did we not get to see that for a for just a single fake out that we know is a fake out? No show is going to be like no one came to our concert again, guys. We failed to save Saga. Uh, stay tuned for season three. Maybe we'll get it right then. Um, but I do. I did like it a lot more once, like they were actually experiencing hardship. I think that being without their makeup, but s- still feeling like morally they can't sit by and not try to help this place that they've come to love, is what so- what Zombieland Saga should be about. But it's 
too caught up in like this in just being a regular idol show. We're like, oh no, we have to do a bake sale. Who none of us know how to bake? Oh, actually, it turns out one of the characters is actually a really good baker. She just doesn't talk about it because of family issues or something. That's not a real plot line, but it very easily could be a Zombieland saga plot <laughs> yeah, line. Yeah, that was that's um, distinctly plausible, Ben. <laughs> I, I, I was really like, oh, I wonder which character is the baker. <laughs> gonna, gonna Mandela affect you, affect you about what happened in Zombieland saga? Nah, it's fine. I'll watch another season. I mean, I just... I, I feel like they're wasting a good premise, and when they actually do, like do lean into it like the two episode detour to like what the one what the uh the one character from the meiji era what what like her deal is like how what was her life before she got killed and then 150 years later resurrected as a pop star um yeah i don't know i mean i'm gonna keep watching it i'm probably gonna keep complaining about it sorry listeners you're stuck with me when Uh, unless unless you quit the podcast which is great (laughs) i mean don't do that yeah when their makeup gets um, washed off, do, is do people re- do they? You, you were saying like they, they carry it, they heroically carry on. Are they accepted or rejected, or is there any sort of reaction from people? So, so what? So I'll just go through the exact thing that happens. It's beginning to like crumble, and they're patching it with what they can. Um, and they're like, yeah, we can't like. It's really beginning to like lose around the mouth, so they start wearing like like sanitary masks around their mouth and then eventually the eyes start to go and so they like the one thing that one of the characters rescued from the house um is like a a paper mache doll making kit or like a clay like a like a light clay doll making kit because she's like it's really bad if this gets wet and then the whole house like sinks into the (laughs) sinks into the river and and she's like actually in hindsight it probably would have been better to save our makeup kit um but Occasionally, Zombieland Saga does good jokes. I'm not. I will never. I will never say that the show is not funny. Sometimes, um, so they make they make a they use the doll supplies to make masks, which then like break two minutes into their performance, and no one reacts, and they're like, "Uh, oh, we can't hide anymore. Sorry, we've been hiding it from y'all. We're zombies." And the the girl's like, "No, you're French Hushu," and they're like, "No, but we're we're actually like undead." And they're like, "Who cares? You've been helping us." So it's just it's just like. If you want to dress up as zombies, that's your gig. That's your bit now. Sure, we're fine with that. Um, and they decide like not to, not to actually keep pushing the issue. And then um, shouty shouty manager guy shows up and he has his own like backup medic uh, case full of well, makeup. Andy will so. be happy because he does love him. He, I mean, it's, it's very funny that when they thank him for for running the thing, and he like cries, and they're like, are, he's like claps down, and he's like, oh, is he saying thank you to us? Is he like doing the, like the very respectful thank you? Uh, is he what's he doing? What's he doing? He's like, I'm crying. I'm a grown man. You girls are making me cry. It's disgusting. I hate it. Y'all suck. Go away. Just his usual bit. I mean, it's it's a one note joke, but it's a note that's made Andy laugh for <laughs> for years now. Apparently, true. Uh, true. stupid zombies, Busu. Baka. Yeah, that sort of bit. Uh, what else? Uh, Mini Dragon. Don't have to talk Yay. much about that. It's, it's great. Excited for next season. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Even the last one of Toru's ta- of trying to make bentos of Toru's tail meat and just being like, no tail meat. And so she makes fake sushi roll tail meat and she's like, no sushi roll tail meat. And so she makes like a very detailed picture of her face and she's like, that was, I couldn't eat that. It was too creepy. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it's... And then she finally makes her just like a nice normal one, and she's like, "Hmm, it's good." And <laughs> that's the coziness that that Dragon Maid brings to you. Is like eventually they figure it out. 
I wonder uh, yeah. if she fed all the other bentos to to the, the hungry dragon that lives <laughs> yeah. at the office, Emma. <laughs> she... um, I like Emma. the one. The one. I think it was either one or two episodes uh, before that, where that she Toru is actually the the better acclimatized one. She's given the other dragons like a quiz about how to right. blend in, <laughs> and it's like, and the, like El, El, Emma's like the worst one because she's just like. Her, her her desire just to eat nice food just overrules ev- everything else yeah. and <laughs> just no no idea of social norms it's only because she's at a job where she has to work all the time that she hasn't outed herself as a dragon <laughs> yeah uh and Fafnir, yeah, I mean, who has just become a complete computer nerd is, is st- still a fantastic character just because yeah. yeah. he's complete and utter contempt for everyone else who is like him and like that that self-loathing no, no, is a very very computer nerd thing i think we talked about it before but that's i think the funniest of the of the dragon of the mini dragon shorts was was just him going to a meetup and just being being horrified that no one looks like their character and then being insulted when when they think they can guess him from his his name and character it's very funny mm-hmm. um hopefully i know that we're worried about the antagonist of the new season being another big titty shotokan dragon but um hopefully the rest of the show is not not that yeah. i mean who knows Nagator ended up being one of my favorite shows this season maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe it'll be good <laughs> <laughs> And last, uh, I also don't need to talk long about this. Battle Athletes Victory Restart. She won. She won. Hey. They told her. They told, they told her. They told her not to win. Otherwise, they would. They would. They would use their powers to punish her. Uh, but she won and abolished the Cosmic Beauty contest. Um, and weirdly, they have over the credits. They just have like a montage of like what everyone's doing afterwards. And then there's an after credit sequence where they show what everyone's doing again and they explain to you. They, you literally see it twice. Like there's like a shot of Shelly like at a tennis court and she's like making friends. And then like literally two minutes later, it shows the same sh- scene of her at the tennis court. And it's like Shelly's making friends. It's like they had they prepared two endings based on how much time they had left. And then they had more time than they thought. So they put in both because like you literally see everyone, everyone twice. Oh, it's such a weird show. I have no idea why it exists. Um, the the main character from the original Battle Athletes Victory shows up. She's she's Kanata's grandma. She looks the same. She's got the weird, like, rabbit ear hair. She doesn't look like a grandma because it's one of those anime where they don't draw age very well. Like, you just get, like, two lines at the corner of your eye and maybe, maybe one line between mm-hmm. your nose and mouth. Uh, and that's it. So she just looks like a weird pod person. But, yeah, they, they gave me fan service um, for a better show that just made me want to rewatch Battle Athletes Victory. Uh, felt really bad being the one person on my rating website to give it a two. It's, like, the only, re- only review so far. Oh dear. <sighs> so yeah, thing. that's everything I watched. And Duncan, you have one more, right? Um, are you gonna are you gonna eighty six eighty six? That's a bad joke. So eighty six's idea is basically, I think someone read about the the siege of of Paris in like the Franco Prussian War and thought, oh, ooh, like this this idea of like the 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 working class sections of Paris getting sent off to to die by the the by the upper class is is kind of like a fun idea for for my mech show and 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 so we get this 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 very broadly uh drawn brushstrokes class conflict uh with spider mechs which um kind of <laughs> just doesn't change from episode 1 to to 13 like it's exactly the same show it is on episode 13 as it is on episode 1 which I, 
I don't know what I expected again. Like, Jeff would say that you, sh you should have just dropped it on episode one and realised it wasn't going to do anything much more than this. Like, the best moment it had was someone actually calling her the 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 silver-haired um, uh, uh, sailor-uniformed uh, lead sort of remote leader of the units on her her bullshit and that was a, a fun fun half episode but then then mm. she she proves she really cares about them and they accept her <clears throat> work, work a bit harder on that on that like years of institutional like abuse from a, a class and someone does a couple of nice things for you and you forgive them no this is not how people work like, yeah and anim that's anime prejudice mm -hmm. unfortunately it's like they just didn't meet someone who was nice to them and they're like oh actually never mind yeah. moon people are moon people are fine they're not all terrorists and <laughs> like it has it's like um, plot for the first season. It, it had like a couple of plots. Um, one's like, okay, this unit of 86 have basically been sent to die on the front lines. Um, the 86 being these uh, lower class people in a, a eugenically uh, uh, sorted society. And uh, this other plot was one of those 86 searching for his brother who was... Uh, killed by the legion which is this robotic army which is trying to wipe out the whole of their uh sort of french techno utopia um <laughs> and so the whole plot of like the first like 10 episodes is him trying to track track his brother's severed head which is literally inside his brother's brains inside one of these robots now he's got to fight him because his brother's smarter than all the other robots and, and that that's that's worrying because if his his smart brother's there, that means the robots are even smarter, and so that this is so we've got we've got to we've got to defeat this guy because he's a he's a threat because he's he's not dumb like the other robots. He's an, just a human brain in there, and then the it ends with them sort of going. They're sent on this big final suicide mission, and they survive thanks to her naughtily uh, requisitioning a mortar strike, which if they just do. They haven't been using all along because they're just trying to kill the 86. They don't care about winning battles, which just seems beyond par parody almost. Like, like even, like, <laughs> the most incompetent military wants to win. Like, even if you, you are sending people off to die, when you've got a, a enemy which is functionally uh, a, a horde of... An almost unlimited horde of killing machines. You, you would probably just err on the side of caution, and make sure you're winning your battles. Also, <laughs> uh, um, um, Jeff looks like he has a question. I was just gonna say, like, cause, like I got the impression at the beginning of the show that, like, the no, like, the war was fake. The whole thing was just stage show to keep the society in order. You know, keep no. the, the fear outside. Of, would, did any of that happen, or is it just? So it's, it was kind of in. They the, the one thing we're told at, at the start of the show is they think it's two year, two years until this whole um, robot army basically shuts down. When it hit, basically these things are built, they they run for two years and then their batteries and stuff run out. And although, yeah, essentially, um, and uh, the, the the whole the thing is that they they they, they don't have any manufacturing. They 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 only, they only know how to fight. They don't know how, know how to build more of each each other. So it's okay. We just hold hold, and eventually, as long as we outlast them, 
we win. But it, it's obvious after a while that everyone knows that um, what's actually happening is that these machines are harvesting brains from humans and putting them in the in themselves to give them more adaptability and to allow them to be sort of evolve and become better at fighting other humans and like that this is known in the higher ranks of the uh uh society and maybe they've dis and though what we're told that on in public is that in two years uh the l1 that maybe what actually is actually going on at the higher uh things is they've realized this and realized they're fucked like in two years we're 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 gone as in two years so we may as well just try and keep everyone from panicking for the next two years and just continue with this war and maybe we'll get lucky but we probably won't and like so this 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 they go on this they send them up the 86 off on this suicide mission at deep into enemy territory to to destroy a base and so she calls in this, this airstrike, and it's it's nice bit of cinematography, dramatic airstrike when they think they're about to be overwhelmed, and uh, they went. He uh, Shin, the sort of protagonist leader of the eighty six in the field, wins his personal ba battle against his brother's mech, and sort of defeats him by making him recall his humanity. Um, of course, uh, yeah, and then. <laughs> That episode ends with the the eight one two three four five remaining members of of the this regiment are and basically running out of radio range, basically taking their mechs and going escaping their from their their their, their sort of death sentence by going deep deep into the robot lands, and we get a couple a, a kind of nice couple of episodes of them just like seeing what's left behind those lines of, of, of the human country which whose robots these were. And it fi finally ends with is um, them running out of fuel for their mechs and the, the fight they're down to one mech and it's obviously the the it's they're, they're taking turns and the leader makes it, oh uh, you look a bit tired, I'll take over and then just goes, uh, okay suckers as I've actually detected that there's the the, the the evil mechs are uh, nearby. I'm going off to die a heroic death. Live on without me. Uh, and the off, he, off he goes. And of course, this being um, an enemy, they, they run after him with just machine guns against giant spider mechs. Because, yeah, yeah. dumb asses. Um, and it ends with him, uh, them all getting killed and uh, fade, to, fade to white, actually. Um, instead of fade to black. But that's... And the implication being that he's about to have his head harvested and season two is going to be them hunting him down instead of hunting his brother down. And like, I'm just like, do you only have one plot? Is, is the only plot you can think <laughs> of, of is, is machines chop someone's head off and, and now they're su super smart. So we have to destroy the machine with someone in super smart's head in, in to win the war. And it's like, ah, come on. I'm told that from bits and bobs and they do a far more traditional take on that in the light novels so it may be that this has only got two cores so it's decided to go its own way and normally i would praise that but when it just reprises the first season's plot in a way that yeah. kind of makes me i hope it's like a a, a fake and they 
fake out somehow and it's oh he just had he assumed he was about to die and so he sort of had this flash forward of to what was going to happen to him and but i'm sadly not optimistic it will um and that's 86 yeah i wonder it's very hard when thinking about this season to not to attribute every stumble to just the the burden of having spent over a year in a world that's been in a pandemic with a periodic lockdown and just record levels of overwork and exploitation yeah. in the Japanese it's, animation industry. In fairness to but, it that doesn't really show any signs of losing its co- its animation quality, which is generally high throughout. Um, but that doesn't mean like the they didn't run out of road in terms of the scripts. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, well, we'll see how this how this season shakes out since we have a couple of a few pretty big ones yeah. that everyone in the podcast well, is more or less interested in. Like, for, weirdly, like I've got two th- I've got two things before next cast which are of particular interest to me. One's the the final episode of the final season of Fruit Basket, which is I've I've been waiting for for a lot long time. And also, we've got the upcoming, long delayed thirteenth uh, episode of Wonder Egg Priority, which yeah, yeah. is going to be a double length episode. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, just early this week, Tuesday, I think. No, it would be when uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, but it will have been last Wednesday when you hear this. Uh, yeah, dear listeners. <laughs> so you will have that one hour episode of hope. Yeah, I hope they've spent that time well. Because like I mean, we, I can't imagine they they it, it seemed like an incredibly long delay when they first announced it, but yeah. I I think that it needs the right handling. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm mildly yeah, they've, optimistic. They've they've, ho- they've hopefully found their slot where they, in in the timetable where the, there was a gap and they can spend that time working towards it and making it as good as possible. Mm. Okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up there. I thought about doing a What You Watching about uh, Ursa Yachts or a Beautiful Dreamer, but I don't want Jeff to burn to death (laughs) in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Okay, remember, rate, review, subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Twitter at KeyframesPod. Find us on Facebook, KeyframesPodcast. Email us questions, KeyframesPodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we will be talking about the depiction of foreign cultures and foreigners in anime. Um, We've had this on the table for a while, so hopefully it will only be moderately depressing to go through. Firstly, I trust us to do this perfectly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) we're just such a diverse podcast. Uh, Anyway, tell a friend, tell a friend about next episode, tell a friend about next season. There's going to be villainous. There's going to be lots of great stuff. So, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, potentially great i will also be watching the second half of slime's second season and continuing to complain about that so people who loved me being grumpy about zombie land or battle athletes or slime will get more of what they came for and yeah andy's not here so we got no clowning let's just say goodbye everybody goodbye, goodbye.